Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 54 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today, as usual, is my co-host and partner in crime, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you this evening? I'm good. I'm more alive than the ROH crowd was tonight. Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, is it is one of those things is um we talked about before. You get ROH show that it was a good show overall, but yeah, it was a uh, not the most liveliest of crowd, not the biggest crowds, but um that's going to take time to rebuild because there's a lot of damage to the brand. So we'll see what happens. They took a step tonight and. Um, we will be discussing that in a little bit. Uh, Jeremy, we're going to start off with a little bit of WWE news. Because apparently the uh, the big news is that uh, the former John Morrison turned Johnny Mundo turned Johnny Impact decided not to become John E. Elite and is going to return to WWE. So what are your thoughts on uh, 39-year-old John Morrison returning to the WWE fold? Are you surprised? Definitely a little bit surprised. He was on Being the Elite a few weeks ago. He did a cameo on that with uh, Taya. Um, so it was about a month ago. Anyway, and it seemed like he was... It didn't ever seem like he was going back to WWE, I, I should say. You know, he left. He wanted to pursue his career in acting, and he did that. He did some movies. He did Survivor. Um, and it seemed like he would go to AEW or just kind of remain on the independent scene where he was probably making good money and kind of keep to his own schedule. But I'm guessing he got a pretty good offer and I'm guessing he, it's not going to be a quite a full time thing. So my man most likely got paid and I can't blame him on that one. And I'm excited for it. He had really good run in Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling and he'll... You know, he's not new, but he'll feel new on whichever brand he goes to, and he'll feel fresh, even if he's not totally fresh. Yeah, um, to be honest with you, I am a little bit surprised. I didn't, um, I'm a little surprised, because WWE is making it a point to take pieces off the chessboard. They are, they've been, you know, stockpiling talent for a long time, a lot of indie names. And while John Morrison was never a big name for them or a huge mainstream name or anything like that. Picking up a guy that has worked with a lot of guys on the roster and then hasn't worked with some of the other guys on the roster isn't the worst move. Um, We'll see how he's booked. I don't exactly have a ton of faith in how they'll book him. I hope he doesn't get Shelton Benjamin to where we see him like every five months. But um, no, I mean, it's uh, good for him. If the brother got paid, uh, that's great. And if that's what he wanted, even better. And just, uh, yeah, slightly surprising, but um, uh, a move um, that's kind of interesting because I didn't expect it. And much like you, I thought he might end up in AEW. I thought there was an outside chance he might pop in um, and do a little bit of impact stuff again because there was apparently that on the table for him because he left on a on a good note and everything. He finished out his contract, uh, did the honors to Rich Swan in a great pay-per-view match, and... Uh, yeah, um, a little disappointed because I was hoping to see what he would do elsewhere. Mainly because it's like when he left WWE, he did some indie stuff and it wasn't really good and it felt really lazy. Then he went to Lucha Underground and did really good. Went to Impact and did really good. 
And I was just kind of excited to see if he would be able to do that again. And hopefully everything works out well, and hopefully he has a good run. And uh, again, more importantly, he you know he's not getting any younger. He is 39. He's done some stem cell stuff to help with his injuries. Um, if the man's getting paid, good for him. And if, more importantly, too, if, if it's what he wants, uh, that's all that really matters. Because some people get really upset about stuff like that. Like, can't believe he went back to WWE. And they get, like, really angry. And it's like... Listen, it's like maybe his goal was to prove that he could be a star elsewhere and go back. And maybe it's what he wants. And again, if he's getting a good paycheck, good for him. I have higher hopes for him than Shelton Benjamin. I didn't even have high hopes when Benjamin's return was announced because Benjamin was never like a a huge, huge star um during his his first run and then you know benjamin did some stuff in in new japan and whatnot but he he never really connected on the indie level the way morrison certainly did with lucha underground and and impact and morrison i think was even treated maybe he was on the same level as benjamin during their first wwe runs but morrison was at least uh he's ecw champion and you know like Benjamin multi-time uh, intercontinental and, and tag team champion. So, or maybe he'll, yeah, he won the intercontinental title multi multiple times. So I, I have higher hopes for Morrison in that regard. He's also more charismatic and that's gonna like, that's going to carry you in, in, in WWE. You can be a, a great wrestler, but in the end, charisma is going to win out and Morrison is infinite, infinitely more charismatic than, than Shelton Benjamin. I I saw this tweet and I don't know who to credit it to, so I apologize that I could not give you proper credit because I it just skimmed across my timeline. I hope he is named Johnny Dynamite. Yeah, I saw so, someone else post that. I think it was uh, Ryan Byers actually. Does S four and one? He hoped that his name is like John E. Leet. <laughs> that one's yeah, good so, too. Uh, that'd be funny. I, I'd laugh. <laughs> I think it would be great. Um, it's probably just going to be John Morrison, but I, I like Johnny Elite and uh, Johnny Dynamite. I would be, and maybe he goes to NXT. He would, you know, there's obviously, I think we would both have more faith if they put him in NXT because we just kind of have more faith in the NXT product overall. And he would feel fresh on that oh, brand. He would come off like a big there, star. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe he does go to, to NXT over wwe because i'm willing to bet he got a good schedule out of this i don't think he makes this deal even if the money is good because I'm, I'm sure aew offered him good money as well assuming they made an offer if he didn't get a, a good schedule out of this because he's a guy who is sort of always marched to the beat of his his own drum yeah fair enough it will be interesting to see where he ends up i would not object to an nxt run it would be interesting and in a way, add a little star power, add somebody new, and just, again, tons of fresh matches there, too, because there are just so many guys that were not around and he, that he didn't work on the indie scene there. So I would be up for that. Uh, so we will stick with WWE, and um, there are reports out there that CM Punk, and this was rumored a while back, was going to and did interview for the WWE Fox show which has led to a lot of speculation of an overall WWE return. And there were some rumors of that coming out of his StarCast interview because he was very diplomatic in a lot of ways. And there are loose rumors out there, and I will just say loose rumors. Please do not report this as a fact, anybody. There are loose rumors out there that AEW did make him an offer, that the offer was not the amount of money he was looking for, 
And it was also rumored that the amount of money offered to him was not at the level of the various executive vice presidents, which is why he is entertaining a WWE return, because obviously, again, WWE taking pieces off the chessboard, looking to bring back anybody that was looked at as a star, and that would definitely be CM Punk, because whether it's for Punk or it's just a way to rebel against the product, people still chant his name to this day, and you can't tell me that if his music hit Jeremy, people wouldn't lose their shit. They they certainly would. Uh, and real quickly on the AEW reports, this this you can report because Cody literally said it himself. I don't know what the offer was. I don't know what the the money offer was. But you know, Punk came out a few months ago and said like, yeah, they just sent me a text message. And Cody kind of shot that down in a new interview with Collider and said, you know, they sent him a text that he said. You know, I'm sure we did send him a text. They also called them. They also had a face-to-face meeting with Punk um, in a coffee shop, Cody said. So there was more than just, hey, you want to do this show? <coughs> you know, there was genuine offers on AEW side. I don't know what the money was. I, I would bet, I, I think it's even a safe assumption to, to say it was less than what the executive vice presidents were getting because those guys are going to be the top paid guys in the promotion regardless. Like Moxley and Jericho. Jericho might be on their level, but I, I'm willing to bet that Moxley and Jericho aren't even making that much money because they're making wrestler money and executive money. And like that's just going to be more. So that that I think that's just a safe bet. Yeah, I don't know what the actual offer was. As far as WWE Studio Show, they're probably going to pay him well. Um, it, it's through Fox more than it is WWE. And Punk, yeah, with the StarCast interview, you know, he seemed content just being done with wrestling. And it, that's why he went to MMA. He could have gone to the indie scene and made a shit ton of money there and you know, cleaned up and built his name even more and then probably come back to WWE and make even more money than they might even be offering him now. Who knows? But he's like, eh, I'll just go to UFC. And granted, he got a shit ton of money from UFC as well. But now he's doing like commentary for, for uh, Cage Fury championships and, you know, he's hosting Beastmaster and stuff and doing movies. I truthfully think he is content being done with wrestling and not being on the road every day, every week, and not putting his body through that. He he seems happy just being in front of a camera and talking. And more power to him. I If this Fox thing is real, he's going to get the job. I, I don't care how well or not well he doesn't test. He He's going to get hired. I think he would test well. The dude can talk. I mean, he had a he did like a little stint on commentary for a while and stuff. And obviously, he's a good promo. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And again, even if it's just for the studio show, you're taking him off the board, which is a move WWE would make and a totally sound business move. Um, but if you had to guess, because I mean, if he does come back, he's not going to be an every week guy. He would probably be signed to a deal to where it's limited dates, um, probably only big matches. Do you think he comes back to wrestling in the ring for WWE in the next 12 months, Jeremy? Yes, because I, I think he's getting this Fox job assuming the money is what he wants. And I, I don't think he even entertains this Fox job if he doesn't think that it, it's 
not going to be beneficial for him. Like, why even bother doing this? Punk is, Punk is a smart guy, and he knows that he's going to do this studio show. He's going to – and people are going to see him every week, and they're going to just start clamoring him for to return more and more. And at some point, he is going to show up because if, if he – does this Fox show, there's no way they're going to be able to to keep him out of the ring for a year. There, there's just no possible way. Fair enough. And again, it's going to be one of those things. It's like, if and when it does happen, I mean, it'll be big. Because people will lose their shit when called a personality hits, man. You know, if it happens like at the Rumble or they, something, it's, it's going to be big. They will. Do you think Punk gets any type of backlash going back to WWE? I'm sure there's going to be backlash from people. And it's just the nature of the beast, and a lot of it will be online. I think live crowds will love having him back. Especially if he is treated like a star and he's not just an every week guy doing bullshit that nobody cares about. And he's not like Maria's baby daddy or something stupid, you know? I mean, if he's brought back in the right way, I think a lot of people will be accepting of it. But there's going to be backlash, yeah, because he obviously had very harsh words when he left for various reasons, and a lot of them justified. But, um, again, how many times have we seen people come back to the fold in WWE? We saw Bret Hart come back. We thought Bret was never coming back. Triple H got Bruno San Martino back into the fold before he died. Warrior got back into the fold. They brought Sting in, which people just thought that was not going to happen because so much time passed. But you see a lot of people eventually coming back who you never thought would. So I don't think, I just don't think it would be that surprising. Although it's one of those things that the longer it goes on, it feels less likely. But now with the rumors of the Fox thing, it feels like, feels like there is more of a chance than ever. Especially with WWE having such rich finances right now with the, t- the uh, new TV deals, and because they want to, they want to keep ratings up and they want to keep proving that they are the top dog. So they're gonna do anything. And we've talked about this before. When Vince gets into war mode and he's actually on the offense for once, he's much better. And if it's going to be, you know, I mean, over the past couple of weeks, look at who we've seen. We've seen, you know, Luke Harper's back. Rusev is back. It's like, you know, guys that were just gone and we're like, oh, they might not be coming back for various reasons. Harper, they're just going to let Harper's contract run out because he wants to leave. And then they brought him back. Rusev was just gone for the longest time and he's back. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't surprise me, but um, it's very interesting especially with the timing with AEW about to start. Here, here's the other thing that I think we, we have to mention is Punk, he sees it. We all see it. Paul Heyman has control of oh, it. Yeah. We know Punk and Heyman are close. I mean, if, if Punk, you know, maybe he can't work with Triple H in NXT. I, I don't know what his relationship is with Bischoff, if he even has one. Um, I feel like Bischoff has buried him in interviews, but I, I could be completely mistaken on that. But regardless of all that, Heyman has control of Raw. 
he clearly has control of Raw. Like you see Heyman, like he's booking that show essentially. Vince still has his input and everything, but it's Heyman's fingerprints all over it. And if Punk decides, yeah, I want to return, he's going to go to Raw. He's going to work with Heyman. He's probably going to get a cushy schedule out of it. Like he, he sees that and he's, he's a smart guy. And if he's going to return, like it, it makes it easier for him to return knowing that he'll have Heyman right there in his corner every Monday where he's not fighting with Vince potentially or fighting with Triple H potentially. The thing is, is like, yeah, as far as I know, there's like no connection to Bischoff. There's obviously a long running relationship with Heyman going back to OVW because he's always been a punk supporter. Um, from all reports, you know, the heat with leaving WWE, a lot of it was with Triple H, and he was apparently much closer to Vince. So, yeah, the likelihood of him ending up and coming back on Raw makes the most sense. I would definitely agree with that. So, there, that's uh, that's the CM Punk deal, Jeremy. It's going to be interesting. Interesting time coming up, man. It's just, it's going to... It's going to keep getting interesting. They got the big Fox debut coming up. They're loading that show up. You have the Wednesday night battle coming up here with AEW. There's just a lot of moves going to be made by a lot of people, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Everything goes to hell um, beginning September 30th, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's going to be great, but if you're on Twitter, it's going to be hell. Oh, yeah, Twitter's fucking cesspool. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's already started. It's going to get worse this week. And, you know, the wrestling on-screen stuff will be super fun, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to create a lot of work for both of us, but, I mean, we're both kind of workaholics, so I think we'll, we'll enjoy that and we'll be fine with that. But just seeing the social media stuff, which – you know, you can tell us stay off social media. That's a lot easier said than done when when this is part of your job. Um, and it's gonna, who it's gonna it's gonna be a war zone. It definitely will be. But it, like you said, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And um, again, too, the thing I always crack up at is everybody. You have a lot of people that are like just going. There's so much to watch. I don't blah blah blah. I'm dreading this. It's like okay, first of all. You don't have to watch it all if you're just a fan, okay? You need to make choices that make you happy as a fan. If Raw infuriates you every week, or if SmackDown infuriates you every week, or if Impact infuriates you, or if ROH isn't worth your time, or if NXT UK isn't worth your time or something, you just need to make a decision on what to watch and what not to watch. Watch what makes you happy. If something makes you happy and you're watching it, Keep watching it and enjoy it. If it starts to upset you or annoy you and makes it not worth your time, move on to something else. It's not really that hard. As as a fan, you guys don't have to watch everything. It's a little different for, like, Jeremy and I. This is our job, and I'm looking forward to a lot of it. But, um, yeah, just make make a decision. I mean, it's not everybody should be expected to watch these, like, 90 hours of wrestling TV coming up every week, okay? If you don't have time for it, don't feel bad. Read reviews, catch highlights, DVR stuff, catch what you want to catch, and just make time for what is important to you and what makes you happy. That, is, to me, is like the most important thing. Just choose what makes you happy. Nobody's forcing you to watch you know, New Japan Road 2 shows. That's why I'm here, okay? I will tell you if there's anything worth your time on those. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. 
You know, it's just nobody expects you to like consume everything. If you have the time for it, great. It's going to be a really fun time to be a fan. But if you don't, just again, go with what makes you the happiest. Jeremy, any thoughts on that? No, I completely agree with you. I mean, this is part of my job. And even for me, NXT UK, I might maybe catch like the following Monday impact. I guess I'm going to have to start paying more attention to, but even something like that, I don't always make an effort to, to watch because there, there really is so much. And, and I'm, I'm reporting on a lot of this stuff. I'm covering news from a lot of this stuff. And not like you, where I have to write reviews on all these shows, but if you're a fan, like you don't have to watch any of this stuff if you don't want to. So don't do it. Don't subject yourself to raw or AEW or SmackDown or NXT UK or anything that isn't, what you want to watch because you know you're not getting paid to do this they're not paying you to to watch their shows so if you don't like it don't watch it it, it it's a very very simple concept i feel like yeah and we're not i'm not like trying to talk down to anybody with this either i'm just saying like i see a lot of people that are like i just don't know how i'm gonna watch it all and like again you don't have to just find what makes you happy if you like raw great watch raw every monday you know, just whatever it is. If you find something, if you try out AEW and it's not for you, then that's two hours you don't have to worry about. You can watch NXT and, you know, please read my review. And if there's something really great, I'll let you know. Okay, just, yeah, just make yourself happy as a fan. That's the most important thing. So there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. And like Jeremy said, we're both looking forward to it. Uh, Jeremy, we are now going to move on. ROH Death Before Dishonor 2019 from Las Vegas at the Sam's Club uh, gambling facility or casino or whatever the fuck they were calling it on the show. Started off with pre-show Jeff Cobb versus Brody King. Uh, I thought this was a really good match. It was a really good way to start things off. A nice pre-show match to kind of pull you in. Cobb's really good. Brody King's really good. They're big lads doing big lad things. They do some things big lads shouldn't like. Brody King hitting a fucking run-up high crossbody and his like Hurricane Ronas and shit is always fun and Jeff Cobb just being a beast and throwing him around. Uh, Jeff Cobb wanted just a little under 13 minutes via pin. Thought it was really good and a nice way to start things off. This match was pretty much what we expected. You know, Cobb's good. Brody King's good. Both, uh, I don't even know if they're underrated athletically, but you take a look at them and you wouldn't think they're going to bust out like uh, too many athletic moves, kind of like Dajakovic and Keith Lee in that regard. So, they they can obviously do that stuff. Cobb winning the right call because he's got the the title shot in the UK, so you got to put him over strong here. You know, pre-show match. If you watched it, hopefully you you found something like, oh, maybe I'll order this pay per view. Um, I, I'm not like I'm not under that belief to where pre-show matches matter like that. I, I would like to see how much you know a. a how, how much a pre-show match actually leads to people buying a pay-per-view. But if it works, then this match probably accomplished that uh, for, for somebody. Yeah, I mean, if that's the goal, it's the right call. And speaking of their athleticism stuff, it's like, I think Brody King is greatly underrated as far as being an athlete goes because uh, you look at Jeff Cobb. I mean, he's a former Olympian. He looks like an athlete. He looks like a big, strong dude. Brody King is just like this kind of big, tatted-up guy that – and no disrespect intended, like, compared to Cobb, doesn't look like a top-tier athlete. But then you see Brody King in there going all fucking lucha and shit, and it's, like, really cool, and, like, you don't expect it at all. 
So, I mean, you look at Dijakovic, though, and you, you could see, like, well, this dude's in good shape. He could be an athlete. And then you look at Keith Lee sometimes, and you're like, Jesus Christ, how's he doing that? Because you don't really expect it from a guy that looks like Keith Lee. So, yeah. But, yeah, no, really good match. And, again, like you said, who knows how much it actually mattered in people buying the show. But if you were going to put on a match that was going to entice people to buy the show, this is the kind of thing you put on and not like the Women of Honor match. So. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So the bouncers cut a promo. They were looking for revenge in their match tonight. Quinn McKay interviewed Dalton Castle. He talked about being entertaining. And then Joe Hendry arrived. To the sound of silence. Yeah. Again. I, I I didn't I didn't watch this okay. portion. I only watched the match and then I took a shower. But you didn't miss anything. <laughs> I was like, I'm not they watching just, the rest of this They bullshit. did some banter. He sang a wacky song making fun of Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle drank a mimosa and spilled it on him. And Joe Hendry beat up the replacement boys. And it was a angle to keep their little feud going. But uh, the Joe Hendry thing, man, is just... A, it is not clicking so far in ROH. It's like... It just feels like nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. I I get why they signed them because you you need guys and but Hendry was never the name that I think they they thought he was especially in in the the US like maybe he means more in in the UK but in the US like most fans only taste of him was impact wrestling and he didn't really do much in impact he was just kind of there kind of backstage segments yeah exactly like he wasn't anybody important and so if that's your only taste of this guy you wouldn't think he is some type of big deal so uh I don't know what they were thinking with him and thinking that he was going to be a big deal. He's good. He's solid. He's got charisma. Like he's fine. But to make him out to be anything more than just like a mid card guy right now is, is completely a mistake. And I do think, I mean, he's facing Dalton castle who's pretty much been regulated to a mid card guy. So there is, I don't think they think he's a huge deal, uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I think they did when they first brought him in. I think they really expected that, oh, this is a big signing right here. But now he's just in a feud with Castle. He's doing this pre-show, early opening show nonsense. So I don't think they uh, see him as, as this big deal now. And I think they're smart enough, male, shit, ROH and smart. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I don't know. He, he's just... He's just a guy. I feel so bad when he comes out and he tries to do his little Joe Hendry so prestigious thing because normally he comes out and he'll yell Joe Hendry and the crowd in like the UK and stuff will react and yell so prestigious. And he comes out there every time in ROH and he goes, Joe Hendry! And you hear like one dude, so prestigious in the background and it's like, God, I feel so bad. It's like he's trying really hard, but yeah, it's uh, it's not working so far. Yeah, that that's that's really the disconnect on him. Them seeing him as a star is if you have a catchphrase like that, you would want the entire crowd to kind of get into it, and maybe they need to have a um, you know, off-air segment where the crowd, somebody tells the crowd, okay, when Joe Hendry yells his name, you yell so prestigious. Yeah, they need something, man. Throw, throw a sign up at ringside. I don't know, something. But Anyway. Uh, so we moved on to the pay-per-view proper. Started off number one contenders match. Marty Skrull defeating Cole Cabana, 1425 via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts? 
good match. Uh, crowd was into it. Crowd was split, and no real surprise. Everyone loves Marty. Everyone loves Colt. Uh, back and forth, competitive match. Um, both both guys got a lot of shine in this. Uh, you know, Skrull survived all of Colt's uh, kind of top moves there, kicked out of the Superman pin, and then put him away. Right call, Marty Skrull winning. And yeah, but a, a good way to kick off this yeah, show. Yeah, I thought it was really good. A uh, little bit of comedy early on, obviously, and then they got into it really well. Really enjoyed the match, really competitive. And again, that goes back to we talked about giving Colt a win in Chicago. Crowd always loves him, but it's it was nice to get him a win to get him a little bit of credibility going into the tournament. I thought they worked really well together. And like you said, crowd was into it. They were split between the two guys. And I mean, I was like 100% sure Marty was going to win, but they did some really good near falls down the stretch, which almost made me doubt my pick. Because like Colt had like one or two really great near falls. They could have been three. And I was like, I really bought this. So I thought they did a really good job there. But yeah, good way to kick off the proper pay-per-view. Uh, moving Agreed. on, the second number one contenders tournament match on this card, which was a no DQ match. PCO surprisingly defeating Kenny King at 12:45. Jeremy, uh, I thought they would stick with the Kenny King thing because that's just what they do. And I was so glad to be wrong here because I mean PCO is a lot of fun, and Kenny King is Kenny King. I'm glad PCO won. I didn't care for the match i i don't know why it was changed to no dq like did it really add anything i guess um, kenny, kenny king I, did it in like an online segment or something because he wanted to take the fight to pco or some bullshit sure it, it added nothing but really they did it to to get to the finish first off bef- before i get to the finish Kenny King nearly died on that sunset bomb oh because PCO just decided not to go over well, for Kenny it. Well, Kenny King also and, overshot yeah. him a bit, too. It didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. And PCO landed just all his body weight onto Kenny King's head. And so that looked like it sucked. And Kenny King completely no-sold it. He sold it like he was the one who hit the move and not was on the receiving end of it. Um, so it was an ODQ match. I'm pretty sure to just set up the finish, which was PCO going for a choke slam and weird little, uh, like Kenny King was in control and then he poured water on him and then it was, it was dumb, but Kenny King's valet gets in the ring and shocks PCO with the, the cattle prod and it just wakes PCO up. It, it gets him recircuited because he had short circuited earlier in the match and then he pins Kenny King. It's like, okay, you did a ODQ thing just to, so this cattle prod thing would make sense. I, the finish was dumb. Yeah, and um, it is. It, it, like, it, it also just makes no sense in the fact that this is a dude that like, gets off being in an electric chair and like firing up. So our whole gimmick is we're to pour water on him and shock him because that'll take him out. It's like, that was just, yeah, made no sense. What did you think of the uh, Jim Johnston PCO theme music? disappointed i i think the the expectations were so high like it fit the pco character i i'll I'll say that but it just felt like kind of bland like there was no like i was expecting like a real like banger of a theme um somebody linked me to uh remember the undertaker ministry of darkness theme where it was like the takers theme with the rock guitars on it like that theme fucking ruled and i was like yeah, like once he linked me to that and he's been and he 
you know, he was like, oh, it's going to be something like this. And he, he didn't have any insight. He was, he just was speculating that, they, you know, he's going to do something awesome like this. Like I got really pumped and that like raised my expectations to that level. And instead it's just like, all right, it's just kind of sure it fits the guy but it's nothing i remember yeah it was like it was good like i liked it because it fit pco but it wasn't like i can't wait to hear that again or that's gonna be my ringtone or something like that yeah it was just uh it was there it was fine so but yeah pco beating kenny king i like that just because pco beat kenny king so yeah i'm i'm for pco beating kenny king (laughs) all day long uh, so we moved on to the Women of Honor Championship match. Jeremy, obviously your match of the evening. So uh, the funny thing was uh, Angelina Love obviously won the title in 9 minutes, 20 seconds. The first three minutes of this match were actually really solid. Started off okay and solid. They actually had a little bit of aggression to it. And then it just slowed down and got bland and then it got bad and then it moved into the regular allure bullshit with the fucking hairspray finish and I just couldn't care at all about it it was bad okay (laughs) Jeremy keeping up the gimmick alive and then post match Maria Manic saved Kelly Klein and attacked Angelina Love I suppose setting up a next possible title program so there you go Maria Manic still alive, still hasn't had a match. Yeah, that would set up the title program if Maria Manic wrestled. Listen, Larry, ROH's women division is strong. It's not huge, but it's strong. Joe Coff giving interviews this week. <laughs> what a quote that was. My man, I will give him credit. He is a fucking carny through and through doing everything he could to put his product over the new Japan relation. Well, they're, they're, they're doing some stuff in North America right now. And, uh, it's kind of like new Japan USA. So if we're going to plan stuff, we have to make sure we don't uh, conflict, but I'm sure it's as strong as ever. It's like, are you sure? Really? Um, they just sent Ren Narita to the LA dojo and not to you to work on excursion probably says something. You know, and just like the fact that the whole Global Wars thing had to switch to CMLL because of New Japan running shows in the U.S. It's like, I don't think it's as strong as you think it is there, Joseph. Yeah. Um, they better hope this Roosh change wins because you know my prediction. I think they're WWE Network bound. Could be. So next up was a match we were definitely both looking forward to. Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay Lethal going into this was 3-0 all time against Gresham. They've had great matches every time out. Jonathan Gresham defeated Jay Lethal 17 and a half minutes. Clean via submission, Jeremy. Your thoughts? Love this match. Um, yeah, we were both looking forward to this because Gresham rules. Jay Lethal rules. So you would think this match is going to be was going to rule. And there was a, a good story coming into the match, obviously, with Lethal being undefeated and Gresham getting frustrated with those losses and turning on him. And then we, we saw some of that stuff play out where Gresham was extra aggressive. He wasn't doing the handshake. He went after the chair at one point before Lethal was like, what the fuck are you doing? Come on. Can't you beat me like a man? And Gresham tapped him out. So match told a story match had 
crisp, clean work because both these guys, that that's what they bring. And it was, I mean, my favorite match of the night. So, yeah, great, great match. A little disappointed by the post-match angle where they just kind of were friends and made up. I wanted to sort of see more of the, the Gresham heel turn and aggressive side. I think that could have you know, ran well and even put him into a, a title match against Roosh. Um, but now uh, he could still get that title match. But now that he's just kind of Jonathan Gresham again, the, I, I don't know quite where they're going other than he's got the, the lethal monkey off of his back. I don't know if he's just Jonathan Gresham again. Cause like, while they did kind of make up post match, I think the deeper story might be with lethal. Cause you know, he faces bandito here Saturday night in the, in the title tournament deal. And uh, if Lethal loses again, they could be telling a deeper story with him, too. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. But, yeah, great match. Really loved it. I thought they played off of their previous matches extremely well. Um, They definitely needed a great rebound match after the the PCO King match, which was, like, okay. And then the Women of Honor match, which was bad. So this was a really nice rebound from that. And uh, as expected, these two delivered. So happy to see that. We moved on to the barroom brawl. The Bouncers versus Silas Young, Vinny Marseglia. The Bouncers ended up winning at uh, 14 minutes and 30 seconds via pin. I thought this was actually really good for what it was. It was a just a kind of wild brawl with uh, pool cues and chairs and fucking Vinny Marsaglia throwing darts at the back of the Beer City Bruiser. <laughs> but uh, it completely over-delivered on my expectations. I just thought this would be kind of like a 10-minute a schlog and some chair shots and just nothing much. But they actually built some good drama in this. The baby faces got their revenge at the end. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I actually thought it was really good. I was entertained by it way more than I thought I would be. Uh, agreed. I was disappointed that it didn't take place in a yes, bar room. That was that or is at least the one throwback or um, bad part to it. Yeah, or that there was no like bar room setup, but they did bar room spots with you know the the beer bottles, um, the pool cue, the darts. I did not expect darts that rolled. Uh, so I, I can appreciate that at least they did bar room spots and it wasn't just like, all right, there's a table, a kendo stick, the usual stuff, uh, chair, the usual stuff you see in any type of no DQ match. So I like that there, there was those spots. It definitely over delivered. Like they, it, it was it was a good match. It was something that I, I I enjoyed. The bouncers winning, smart call. You know, you got Silas Young taken out, so Marseglia was left on his own. So the bouncers should beat him at that point. And yeah, an enjoyable match. Yeah, and again, just uh, it, it just over delivered for me because I, I wasn't expecting much out of it. So that's that's always a nice thing too. I appreciate that. Uh, we moved on to the TV title match: Shane Taylor versus Tracy Williams versus Flip Gordon. Versus a late addition in Dragon Lee. And the Dragon Lee thing is actually really fascinating before we can get to the match because Dragon Lee was supposed to be on the CMLL Anniversario show tonight. And then he was pulled from it earlier this week. And then there have been teases online that Dragon Lee and Roosh are going to have some kind of announcement on Monday. So I don't know if there's a deep story, if they're leaving CMLL... Or if it's just a big tease for something else, not as important. But uh, really interesting. I mean, he's working uh, tonight's show uh, in a tag with Roosh. 
And um, so he ended up being added to this match. Shane Taylor and Shane Taylor Promotions had a little Floyd Mayweather kind of inspired walkout because he's a uh, big shit now. And uh, Shane Taylor, as we expected, retained the title just under eight minutes, Jeremy. Pinning Flip Gordon and then post-match angle setting up a match with Dragon Lee, which definitely has a lot of potential. Your thoughts on the match, sir? Yeah, Lee and Dragon Lee is going to be awesome whenever it happens. Completely fine with Dragon Lee being added to this match. I like the... I like the Floyd Mayweather aspect of of Shane Taylor Promotions, and we we talked about this when t- this whole gimmick came up. It's like that aspect is cool, the kind of being salty over the elite, and just the the fact that there's not too many ways you can go with this is what what worries me. And w- one of the issues is there was no drama in this match to me because. You just figured Shane Taylor was winning because if he loses the title and ROH is out of the contract with him, then he just leaves and he disappears. And then you have no real angle. So he was always winning this match. And so because of that, I was just like, all right, just kind of, you know, the work is fine. It was a little short, could have used more time. Um, but we'll see where the Shane Taylor thing goes. He's going to. I guess to a match uh, against Dragon Lee, they've really got to push this thing. And, you know, we saw his entourage and Kenny King came out with the same entourage. So I like to see them run a show like ROA, like Shane Taylor promotions. And it's like backed by ROH and on, on our club, essentially what all, well, they, you know was. what? They, they actually and, did something like that in the past. They did the night of hoopla with truth Martini. Yeah. So there you go. Like th- this is what they they should do to put more on this angle. So we'll see we'll see what happens. I do like the the Floyd Mayweather uh, kind of aspect of it though. Yeah, I think you're thinking way more into this angle than the company actually is. But I actually like that idea. Give me the book. I do like that idea a lot actually because that that night of hoopla show was really wacky and fun. So it's like if they could do something different and like you said, you know, make it an honor club show, that'd be fine. I'd be all for that. Just you know. Yeah. Give me the book. Uh, we moved on. Tag team title match. Jeremy, the champions, the Briscoes, defeated Lifeblood's Bandita and Mark Haskins. 20 minutes and 10 seconds via pin. Uh, I thought it was a great, chaotic, balls-to-the-wall style tag match. Lifeblood looked really good. There were a few good near falls at the end. The Briscoes won as expected, but it was a definite a quality addition to the show um, and a, one of the matches we felt would deliver. The post-match, which we'll talk about, sucked. But uh, the match, I thought, was great. The only real problem I had with it was, like, coming out of the TV title match, you still have Flip and Tracy Williams fighting. You have you set up Shane Taylor and Dragon Lee. Coming out of the tag match here, I just I have no idea who the hell is going to challenge the Briscoes going forward. The... First off, Lifeblood is just... They're kind of a geek stable. We, we've discussed them plenty, but losing juice into Neil, the, no no pun intended, took the juice out of the stable. And the fact that they can't win matches, like they tried to heat them up, and then the six-man title match, which maybe they were going to win, who knows, kept falling through. They get these respective title shots. They, they lose them. And it's just they, they don't have... You know, it's no wonder like the crowd's into them because they they like these guys and they're good wrestlers, but there there's nothing really there with them. 
Um, yeah, Briscoe's winning. Fine, fine call. I wouldn't have minded a title change just because I feel like Lifeblood needs something. Agreed. Like the the Briscoes aren't going to lose anything by losing the titles. Lifeblood gains so much if they win them, but by losing, they're just they're still just random guys paired together. Match was great was probably always going to be great because Briscoes are awesome and Haskins and Bandito are awesome. They, they've, they've got good chemistry for two guys that were just thrown together and don't have a lot of experience together. Um, yeah, good match. Did you catch Ian Riccoboni giving me a shout-out? I thought I did. What did he say? I, I kind of missed. I, I was, like, typing, so, you know, obviously I'm like... I was on the uh, the Fightful Wrestling Twitter, and Riccoboni was like, everyone's talking about the show tonight. Fightful Wrestling says they can't wait for this tag team match. So they gave, I guess they gave the website a shout-out, but it was my tweet. And my actual tweet was, can't wait for this match. Lifeblood feels useless, but this match should be good. <laughs> At least I didn't read the whole thing. Fantastic. I, I got a shout-out, uh, I think it was on the Chicago show during the Spectacular Tour. Yeah, Ian's good about that. So, yeah, definitely a great match. One of the things during the match that they made a point to keep making a uh, camera shots to was uh, Mark Haskins' wife, Vicky Haskins, was at ringside there to support her husband, which played into the post-match angle, Jeremy. God. Bully fucking Ray returned after months of being gone, which was a delightful time. And what did he do? He did the same fucking thing he always does. He comes out... He powerbombed Bandito. He powerbombed Mark Haskins. Tracy Williams made the save. Flip took him out. Bully then harassed Vicky Haskins and talked a bunch of shit to her. She slapped him, so he powerbombed Mark through a table on the floor. Bully Ray was not missed at all. Not excited to see him back. And I'm sure somebody's going to tell me, but he gets real heat. No. He comes out and he makes the baby faces look like fucking idiots. And then he's going to have some kind of shitty hardcore match with one of them later on. And I'm not going to be able to care about it. Um, uh, didn't you say like Bully Ray was going to attack Roosh in the main event? I, yeah, I was like, that was my fear. I'm like... Well, close. He At least it was just lifeblood, but I mean, thank God it wasn't Rouge. Yeah, I guess the, this lifeblood feud pretty much continues. I don't know if like this was the... But Flip Gordon was sort of loosely tied to lifeblood during uh, that whole feud because uh, Juice and Haskins helped him at G1 Supercard. So, yeah, Bully Ray, just go away, dude. Like, <laughs> the yelling at... Haskins wife was so tone deaf so fucking tone deaf from this company after the the incident with the whole you know don't yell at wrestlers be a fan nonsense and Bully Ray's like you're a woman what are you gonna do like dude just you're the wrong guy to do this shit after the the story that came out all those months ago you know just just completely tone deaf the fact that the company uses him is, is kind of tone deaf but he's on the booking team so whatever but that that angle just didn't care for it it i probably wasn't going to care for it anyway because it's bully ray but really that's the angle you're going to run come on yeah i uh i did not miss him at all so no so then, Jeremy, we moved on to the main event of the evening, Matt Taven defending the world title against Roosh. 
I don't know if it's going to save the company, Jeremy, because there's a lot of work to do. But it's morning in America again because Matt Taven is no longer the <laughs> ROH champion. One of the best decisions they've uh, made in months. Roosh defeated Matt Taven in 1605 via pin. Roosh's brother, Dragon Lee, his father, Biesta Del Ring, was in ringside. Roosh's son was there. They celebrated after the match. The best part was after the match when they get in the ring and Roosh's little son fucking does a little somersault into the tranquillo. I was like, yes. Spectacular. Um... As for the match, I will say I've been, obviously, we both have been very critical of Matt Taven in the past. First of all, they smartly did not work an overly long main event. They worked a nice condensed 16-minute formula here where basically Taven ran wild at the beginning. Roosh had to make his comeback. Taven unloaded with all of his big shit on him. Roosh overcame, hit the bull's horns twice, picked up the win clean as a sheet. They worked hard. I thought everything actually clicked because they didn't fuck around. There was no outside interference. There wasn't any unneeded bullshit. And just not because of the title change, I I thought this was a great match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought Taven worked his ass off. I thought Roosh was really great. He busted out a a lot of fun stuff, some different stuff, some uh some uh tributes to Hiromu in there with like the uh the big senton and the uh, the missile drop kick off the apron, and uh, just a really great stuff. Obviously, the title match was the right change. Taven shook his hand post match and bailed, so we didn't get any weird angle or anything. Don't know for sure if this is the end of Matt Taven in ROH. Reports are that they've made him a very good deal, so we'll see. But regardless of that, Jeremy, I thought the match was great, and of course, the title change was the right call. Roosh remains undefeated and is our champion. Enjoyed the match. Didn't quite like it as the uh, Lethal Gresham and even the tag team match, but that, that's nothing bad to say about this. It was certainly uh, very good, over-delivered from what I expected a Matt Taven match and, and main event to be. But he's he's been good during this run, at least in the ring. So we, you know, we've talked about how his run is killed them as a business but we've always praised him for the the work he's done in the ring and this was no exception they didn't do any bullshit run-ins or anything it was just two guys working really hard telling a good story and and roosh ended up winning in the win which is certainly the right call it didn't come off huge Like, like the pop was fine um i think a large part was samstown crowds i don't know why companies run this venue like vegas it worked for aew it really historically never worked for any other company um and samstown crowds have never been anything to write home about so eh, probably the wrong crowd to to do this in in front of and really any roh crowd might be the wrong crowd nowadays uh so that that the title change didn't come off that huge or as huge as you would want it to to come off but we'll see what happens with Roosh it can't be any worse than Taven yeah and unfortunately it didn't come off well like as it as you would have hoped and like but like you said too the thing is like the Sam's Club crowds have never been really great for ROH they've been fine sometimes but they're just like tonight it was a really flat crowd which hurt to show in some aspects um overall I thought the show was good 
There was way more good than bad. The only thing bad on the show was the bully angle and the Women of Honor match. The worst match was the PCO King match, which was okay. But there was a lot of good, and there was some great stuff on this show. I don't think it was the home run that they needed. There was no like big angle, but the title change is important. Obviously, like we talk about a lot of times with several other companies, Jeremy, it's just uh, follow-up is the key because there is a lot of damage to undo. I mean, they think their big angle is Bully Ray's return. So in their minds, they did have a a big angle. Um, The the title change was certainly a much-needed thing to do. I'm with you. It was largely good. The, The problem is it felt cold, and that's never a good thing. Like, you look at an Impact pay per view. Those are largely good, even bordering on great, but they they feel hot. And this, for the most part, didn't feel as hot, and it wasn't even as good as like an Impact pay per view. So I think I think that is an issue that they're somehow going to have to find a way to get over, and it's going to be tough. Like they have now the the worst TV deal of the. You know the top organizations in the U.S. I don't think their TV deal was much better than Impact prior to this. It's certainly worse now with Impact going on Access. Hell, it might even be worse than uh, MLW because they're on BN. At least their shows are on YouTube as well. Like ROH is, you get it on Honor Club, but you gotta pay for that. You it's get fr- it syndicated. It's syndicated. It's free on like Fight TV. It's free. Is it free? I thought you got to pay No, not, not for the episodes. The episodes are free every week. Okay. And plus they air it like on like Stadium and Comet, which are like online deals. I mean, they have online distribution, which is fine. But as a TV presence, you're right. And that goes back to, I want to circle back to these Joe Coff interviews where he, he was asked about um, Sinclair purchasing the uh, regional sports networks from Fox. And, you know, what is your desire still to go live? And he's like, well, with the acquisition, acquisitions of these uh, networks, our hope is, you know, to get more penetration and blah, 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 blah. But he had, like, no real answer. Because, again, Sinclair isn't dedicated to really making ROH something important. Which is a shame because, he, I mean, these these regional sports networks and stuff could be a big deal for them. Here's... An, an issue is that I didn't know they were on like stadium or had this online presence. And I feel like if I don't know this stuff, I'm, I'm certain a lot of casuals don't know this stuff. Yeah, either. It is pretty so bad if you don't know. The, yeah, like I know MLW is on YouTube. Yep. It's, you know, they, you go to ROH's YouTube. It's like, Hey, watch our show check your local listings or some shit so it's not their their youtube page sucks by the way get you know upload clips do something um anyway yeah their their tv deal isn't good and you know the having the regional sports network in theory should be what they want what they need um you know, impact started on on the the Fox Sportsnet stuff, so it, it could be a good thing for them. The problem is, as you said, it doesn't seem like Sinclair really gives a shit about them, and that's an issue. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, uh, pay per view was good overall. Roosh's champion, definitely the right call. The thing now is, and like there have been rumors again that ROH has been more willing willing to spend more money to lock people up. But the thing is. 
they're, they have a lot of work to do to turn things around. And part of that is not only turning things around, but you need to lock up Roosh and like Dragon Lee and Bandito and Haskins and Cobb. And you need to keep these guys that are being the better performers and most consistent performers in your company. You need to keep them, I mean, to rebuild. I mean, word is that they're making, you know, they made a big deal to Taven big offer and that they're going to make a big deal to Marty, whether he stays or not again is a completely different question, but I mean, you, you need to try and we'll see what happens with it. But I think we can safely say that good pay-per-view and a good step with the title change. Um, I'm sorry. I'm watching this video and apparently like Roosh is it's all in Spanish, so I don't speak the language, Baxter. Uh, Roosh has said he's a, a free agent, and I think it has to do with CMLL more than ROH. So there's your, I guess that's the angle they're they're kind of running is that uh, Roosh and and Dragon Lee are going to kind of declare themselves as free agents from CMLL. Well, there you go. See, so yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Which again, you need to if you can lock up Dragon Lee too, dude. That's that's a big move because that dude's a star. So, I think I, I mean we know ROH and CML have a working agreement and whatnot. Um, oh, maybe it means they are done with CMLL. I think it's just more of kind of a an angle thing right now. Maybe Bully Ray has taken over the CMLL booking team as well. And you know, as, as you always say, this is an ROH staple. Have a guy who's a champion who his contract has expired. Yeah. So. But uh, Jeremy, it's a it's a big week for wrestling fans. The uh, the war is starting Wednesday night. NXT has been on for two weeks now, and AEW Dynamite will debut Wednesday night. We have our first head to head show going on, and um, so we'll do a little bit of preview talk here for these shows because we have lineups. There is a lot of stuff announced, and it'll be interesting to see. What happens Wednesday night? First of all, do you think NXT is going to win in the ratings Wednesday night? Oh, this is a a tough one because look, they got the head start. They were over a million the first two two weeks. Um, they slipped in the second week. The demographic rating, I said on Twitter, I would be more concerned about the demographic rating dropping um, like 10 points over or, or 0.1 points, I guess, um, over the 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 viewership dropping like 100,000 viewers or, or whatever it was. I think NXT wins... If they don't, that's not a good look for them because they are they. This show is stacked. Like this is a mini takeover show. This is a two-hour takeover essentially. And in ring wise, this is going to be the best NXT show you're going to get for who knows how long because they're not going to stack another show like this for who knows how long. And we know why they're stacking this show. And if this doesn't win in the the ratings then that that's a bad sign for them and it could turn around it's going to be a lot of week-to-week stuff and it is aew's debut so they do have that going for them but man nxt with this show like they they this is the one they should get i almost feel like they should have just pulled back 
on this first week and just been like, hey, if we beat them, great. We didn't even throw our best effort at them and we beat them. And if they beat us, that's okay. It was their debut. We didn't throw our best effort at them. Wait until we do. But they're they're throwing their best effort. And if they lose this one, Undertaker is going to be on next week's show. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see if NXT can stay, maintain the million viewer mark. Uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what AEW can do out of the gate because obviously there's been buzz, there's been a lot of online hype, but you don't know how that's going to transition to the rating and the viewership. But the other thing with AEW is it's like that company is such a weird fucking anomaly because they keep doing all kind of shit they shouldn't do. They shouldn't sell as many tickets as they do. They shouldn't have done over 100,000 pay-per-view buys on two pay-per-views without TV. So it's like the rating thing is just like a total fucking mystery to me. I don't even know what to guess because I feel like obviously not like 3 million viewers, but I feel like the the show could do like 300,000 viewers. It could do 1.3 million. I don't fucking know just because it's such an anomaly. And from what we know traditionally about wrestling, it's so weird. And is there going to be a fan base out there that is just like, yeah, I'm going to watch something new over NXT first. Because, like, the, the thing okay. is, is, like, AEW is, like, if it was against Raw, I'd almost expect a, not a better rating than Raw, but a better rating maybe than it would get against NXT. Because if you're someone that's going to put time into AEW, you're likely disenfranchised with the main roster WWE product. But if you're somebody that's going to put time into AEW, you're probably also somebody that really likes the NXT product. Because I think that they kind of hit the same marks going for fans, you know? I I agree to an extent, but the AEW fan base, and granted, I'm judging this by the vocal minority online, is they just don't want anything to do with WWE, period. Like they and and you know NXT for as much as it is an alternative, it's still under the WWE umbrella, and they're like they just want nothing to do with with that kind, you know that brand that company. So I do think yeah, there is more crossover fans than there would be for a Raw or a SmackDown, but I just don't know how much crossover AEW has in, in general, just because I think most of their fan base is or at least the the vocal minority of their fan base is just guys who and girls who just don't give a damn about WWE just want to support something other than WWE and it's clear AEW preys on that like that's the you know that's why you got Jericho doing these interviews of I never heard of anybody and you got Omega burying these guys and you know these promos and stuff because like that's what their fans eat up so I I don't know. I I think NXT is going to win the this week because this is such a stacked show, but I'm more interested in seeing we know just over a million people are, are watching wrestling on Wednesday night. What does that number look like when you add AEW? Is it going to be a 500,000 500,000 or, you know, 600,000 400,000? Is it still going to be around a million or do they lift each other? And you you see like oh, NXT does nine hundred thousand, AEW does six hundred thousand, 
now shit like more than a million people are watching this you know it's it's 15 it's 1.5 million like that's the fan base that is out there that's what i'm more interested in seeing is the combined number of the two because we have uh so minuscule data two weeks of data of what the fan base is for nxt uh for these first two shows yeah and i'm gonna be interested by that too because it's like like you said is it just gonna be like around a million still or is it going to be like is nxt actually going to see a significant drop this week to like eight hundred thousand, and like will AEW do like six or seven hundred thousand, or what is it going to be yeah it's uh, thursday is going to be really fascinating when the numbers come out um i do th- i agree with I, you that i think nxt does win this week but i'm going to be interested to see how close yeah how close and let's be honest the first week doesn't exactly matter like you want to debut strong obviously but we've said it a bunch of times like i'm more interested in seeing what the numbers are in december have they gotten like is there growth is there stagnation have they dropped like what what are the numbers in december because the first week is always going to to be good and this is for all intents and purposes nxt's like first big week it's their first two hour week and it's a mini takeover yeah again like i fully agree with you you can't really judge because everybody's going to make judgments on week one it's going to be the monday monday morning quarterback thing and you really can't do that because you can't really break it down to your six to eight weeks in late November and, like you said, early December, then you're going to get a better gauge of how both shows are doing, how they're progressing, how they're growing, how they're not growing, who's doing what, what demographics are, you know. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But I'm I'm excited for Wednesday night, Jeremy. We'll start with AEW. Cody Rhodes versus uh, Sammy Guevara. Blah. As I am totally tongue-tied there. This is like this is going to be the first match you're going to see, and it's going to go right up against, I would assume, um, probably the women's match, probably Baszler and Larray, maybe actually the tag team match. NXT likes to to run the the tag team match as the opening match, at least on the takeovers. So you're you're going to get Street Profits against Undisputed Era. So the, these two are going to go head to head, and the tag team match is a bigger deal. Co- Cody is probably the second or third biggest star in AEW. Um, and Moxley would be, would be second, but Moxley, you know, hasn't really done a ton of shows. That's why I put Cody there. Uh, but Guevara is like nothing. They, they haven't even tried to push this guy on even like the road Two show. Like, I don't know if you watched the latest road Two show, but Cody ends the show with a promo on Jericho. It just completely dismisses Guevara. So it's like, all right, why why should I care about this guy? And he hasn't, if you just have watched the AEW pay-per-views, you can't remember Sammy Guevara doing anything. So he's not much of a factor. They're either, like they've telegraphed this match completely because we know Cody is challenging for the title at the pay-per-view and because wins and losses matter, he's not losing. Or they're swerving us all and they're gonna play the whole cody overlooked them and you know anything can happen and guevara you know got the upset and he's like go from there but uh, this match doesn't feel like it has a light a lot of life to it and this is what you're opening with and again you're probably going up against undisputed air and street profits yeah definitely an odd choice for an opener because it's a real clash of styles in the ring too because sammy is more of a fast-paced uh spot style guy 
and Cody is more of a more methodical storytelling guy. So definitely a weird clash. Uh, obviously, Cody should win because he has the title to shot coming up. It would make absolutely no sense for him to lose. Uh, MJF and Brandon Cutler, which should be a big win for MJF on national TV. It should be a nice, simple, easy win. He cuts a promo before, maybe even after, maybe even during. You get MJF over here. That should be the whole goal. Exactly. Uh, this one has some life to it. Pac versus Hangman Page. Yeah, surprisingly, this is a late edition, and surprising they're going to it right here because this was supposed to be one of their bigger matches on the double or nothing show. And it, you know, it fell through and now they're, they're going to it on the, the first show here, which cool. I'm all for it. Um, I feel like hangman's got to win. Cause if he loses, like you're, you're beating the guy who just challenged for the title and he was already cold coming into that match and like losing here doesn't do any favors. But on the flip side if Pac wins, like you have a super credible challenger cause he has wins over Omega and hangman. Uh, but I just don't know how long Pac is there for. I think it's reportedly like a five show deal. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Um, I, I, I think Pac winning is the better call just because it really heats that guy up. I, I think Hangman ends up winning, though. I'm going to go with Pac. I just uh, I think it makes the most sense. I don't think you have him beat Kenny Omega and then have him lose to Hangman Page. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, then we have uh, Riho versus Nyla Rose to crown the first ever AEW Women's Champion, Jeremy. Unless... Nyla Rose's tweet got her in major, major hot water, which I don't think it did because she apologized and Brandy was, you know, promoting the apology and everything. Nyla is is winning this match. Probably, I think so. Go with kind of like the monster heel character as your initial champion. Uh, kind of makes sense. Uh, I would like Riho to win just because I think she's a much better wrestler, but I think they're probably going with Nyla Rose. I don't even know if if Nyla is like a monster heel. I guess that's how they're pushing her, but because of the transgender thing, which is really, you know, it was it didn't seem like a big thing at Double or Nothing, but it, it's really caught life and gotten a lot of legs behind it now. I don't know if you can make her kind of that monster heel type person, even though that's who she should be. Well, against Riho, that's how she's going to look, whether they book it that way certainly, or not. Certainly, certainly. Certainly. Uh, but, you know, against like Britt Baker, the the weird thing is, and this is a completely different tangent, um, you know, we don't know what AEW is just as a wrestling company as far as booking goes, especially when it comes to television, because I, I'm I'm very much and I fully admit this. I'm very much in like a, a WWE mindset of where yeah, Nyla Rose winning makes the most sense because if she's she's transgender you get a lot of publicity out of that she can go on all the talk shows and talk about this stuff and it looks really good and whatnot AEW might not be thinking like that although by their kind of social media and uh their cody uh, and brandy making media rounds and stuff i do think there is an inkling of that kind of thinking whether they want you to believe that or not so that's why i'm also leaning towards nyla rose i hear you dude it makes the most sense and uh, then the big main event for the show is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, the Elite, 
facing off with Chris Jericho and two mystery partners. Now, obviously, LAX makes a lot of sense because they attacked the Bucks at the pay-per-view in their big debut. Or, sorry, Santana and Ortiz. Better not call them LAX. Don't want to get in trouble with anybody. But um, they make sense. But, of course, they could... Um, it also, in a way, feels way too obvious. So they could be bringing in two totally different people, Jeremy. What is your, uh, what are you feeling on this? Hello. Okay, there you are. For some reason, my feed cut off. Um, so, j- I don't know exactly. Okay, so the Elite Repeat. versus Jericho and two mystery opponents, obviously Santana and Ortiz, are two very viable options because they attacked the Bucks at the pay-per-view. But that also feels very obvious. So are, are do you think we're just going chalk with them, or are we getting two real mystery opponents? Uh, I, I think it just goes with LAX. I mean, you read the same report that I did about Jack Swagger. Jesus Christ. (laughs) On some levels, it makes sense. Like why wouldn't Jericho call in and I'll give you another name. I'll give you the, the other name here. You call in Jack Swagger, you call in Wade Barrett you get your WWE guys, you know, your your heels in there. Uh, you, you do that whole thing. I, I don't think, that, like, that isn't their audience that they should be. Like, that's not their audience, though. And, and that's the thing. I, I think they're smarter to know that, yeah, bringing in two ex-WWE guys and putting them in this position probably not what our audience wants to see. They they want to see LAX. So I, I think they just go with LAX. I hope so. If they do, like if Jack Swagger is one of the mystery uh, partners here, big misstep for, for a number of reasons. Because uh, he's fucking horrible? <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons, but I said a number. Seriously, his post-WWE run was atrocious. From Indies to MLW, everything it was bad. So, yeah, it makes the most sense to go with Santana and Ortiz. Um, but it would be interesting to see if they throw us a curveball and they bring in some unexpected names. So I'm interested in that. If it's uh, Santana and Ortiz, could be a hell of a main event for sure. So uh, that is AEW Week 1, Jeremy Dynamite debuting. And we move on now to NXT Wednesday night. And we have three title matches and an undercard match confirmed for the show. Start with Johnny Gargano versus Shane Thorne. Yeah, Gargano's going to win. Needs a kind of rebound win after losing to uh, Adam Cole in kind of consecutive big matches there. So it should be fine. Should be good, actually. Gargano's awesome. Shane Thorne can work. There's a little bit of backstory there with Shane Thorne feeling overlooked with this top prospects tournament and everything. So it'll be a good match. Gargano will win. And Gargano, I think what will help is Gargano is going to come off as a huge star in this match because that full sale crowd loves him. They're, they're going to treat him. You know, this is the first time they've seen him on the, the live NXT shows. They're going to treat him like a, a big deal. So Gargano will, will look really strong in this match based on just how it'll be laid out and, uh, the crowd reaction. Yeah. He's pretty much a, a God at full sale university. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He will get a big reaction and he should win for sure. Especially with the rebound aspect. 
Women's champion Shayna Baszler defending against Candice LeRae, Jeremy. There is once again a lot of talk of Shayna Baszler being brought up to the main roster. There is lots of reports that Paul Heyman wants her. There are reports that uh, Fox wants her because of her MMA background and relationship with Ronda Rousey. I think with AEW crowning a women's champion, a women's championship title uh, change could be in the works here because this is the first big week head-to-head, and I don't see the Undisputed Era losing any titles on this show. So I'm actually going to go with Candice LeRae picking up the babyface win and hopefully feuding some more with Io Shirai. This is my thought as well. I, I think they are going to do a title change in, in one of the matches. Pulling from Undisputed Era doesn't seem like the correct call after you built up the whole undisputed prophecy thing for so long and you cashed in on that two weeks ago like having a two-week run on that essentially a one-week run because they're not going to get much out of it this week since all the guys are in matches uh doesn't seem like the the right thing to do so if you're going to do a title switch the women's title it makes the most sense baszler could get called up that is certainly one route just her run has been good but it's been it's got to end at some point, and Candice makes a lot of sense to end it. Good feuds for Candice. Uh, EO is obviously the the big one. You can do the Baszler rematch if you need to. Even Rhea Ripley is in the mix. I know she's kind of a babyface because she's up against Baszler. Rhea Ripley is much better suited as a heel, though, uh, kind of bullying Candice LeRae. Certainly. So, yeah. Yeah, plenty, plenty to do if Candice LeRae wins the title. Even Bianca Belair, she, you know, she's kind of shown sides of a, a heelish side lately. So there, there's plenty out there for Candice. Baszler's kind of done everything she's needed to do. Yeah, and while Shayna has been good as a champion, she's also been kind of stifling for the division. So it's, I think they do need to move on, whether she's fully called up or not. A change is needed, I think. Um, Undisputed Era defending against Street Profits. They've had uh, some very good to great matches in the past. Uh, I expect... uh, I think you're right. I think this probably does kick off the show because Uncle Paul likes kicking off with his tag team matches on the takeovers. And like you said, this is basically a two-hour takeover. So I think he kind of stays chalk and goes with uh, the formula that works there. Uh, They open up with it. I think Undisputed Era retains. I see no reason to take the titles off of them. Because uh, just Undisputed Era overall is just a really good group to lead everything right now. Because they can be asshole heels, plus they're over. The crowd does love them to a degree. And the Street Profits are fun and everything. But Undisputed Era are just, you know, Fish and O'Reilly are just better. So I see no need to take the titles off of those boys. Plus plus Kyle nope. O'Reilly air guitaring is like watching Jesus work. <laughs> Yeah, no, no reason to take the belts off of them. Should be a fantastic match. All four of these guys are awesome. Street Profits also, like, they're on Raw, and the, the big thing is they are probably going to be on Raw full-time and actually wrestling, which is a novel concept for them on the main roster, uh, following the the draft because Heyman is reportedly big fans of theirs. So it, it would make sense for them to, to lose and then be on their way to Raw um, following premiere week and the draft and everything should be a great match as i said i think this kicks off the show and one thing we didn't talk about that i'll just go ahead and mention there is when it comes to the ratings and stuff nxt is doing limited commercials this week so it's a it's another thing of you know if when aew goes to commercial you flip over to nxt 
they're not in commercial, you you stick with them, you know, you know they're looking at when AEW is breaking and they're going to break at the same time, but they're going to come back early and they're going to stay later and they're going to keep you there for, for those entire time. Um, and that's why it'd be another, it'd be a huge blow to NXT if they, if they lost, um, opening, opening week. But this is why I, I said, um, I think this kicks off the show because you open this against Cody and Sammy, you're probably watching this match and then this is going to go to break later and it's going to come back from break earlier and you're going to want to stick with it over Cody and Sammy and then whatever the fallout is to that. So this is, this is going to be a great match. Yeah, definitely. If I wasn't having to cover AEW live, I would definitely watch this over Cody and Sammy. Like no, no disrespect to those guys, but I mean, this one has way more potential than that match. So, uh, yeah, definitely should be really good, uh, possibly great again. I, I really like them. They work really well together. And uh, watching Montez Ford getting to shine on the USA Network will be a lot of fun as well. Because that dude's great. He's been shining. He's been shining on the USA Network. Shining shoes backstage, dude. Doing nothing. <laughs> shining up his cup so he can appear on TV and talk for 30 seconds. <laughs> so, and then the the big main event is Adam Cole Bebe defending the NXT Championship against Matt Riddle, who just beat Killian Dane last week. Uh, by all rights, should be a really good to great match. They've worked together in the past. They have some chemistry. Uh, Cole is dealing with a legit uh, banged up hand, uh, reportedly a real broken hand. So it will be interesting to see how that possibly hampers him in any way. But uh, I think this will be really good. But uh, I, I just don't see them taking the title off of Cole right away. It, it feels way too soon after him beating Gargano and then them getting the destiny fulfilled and all that. So, um, yeah. I, I'm with you. The, the undisputed prophecy, you can't end that after two weeks, especially when it looks like your direction is going to be going into war games. You got all these guys holding the gold like that's your shot at war games is they're entering that cage all draped in gold and it's like all right which four not misfits but you know which four guys are gonna band together and try to take on this all-powerful undisputed era stable who you know no one can defeat because they they have all the titles um it's a it's a very simple story to tell and that's i feel like where they're going the hand injury which you know they're they're calling a a arm injury with the the fujiwara arm bar that cole or, or riddle locked them in uh if, if it's legit if it's not you know they're they're certainly gonna they're gonna play that up so I uh, keep an eye on that stuff. Uh, Cole can probably wrestle with a broken hand. Might hamper him a little bit. Here's my here's my hot take, and I, I don't know how hot it is, but we're gonna go with it. I don't think this match main events. I think they main event with the women, and fans are gonna like this. But I think they do some type of screwy finish in this match maybe even like a a time limit finish uh and i know that sounds like okay well they're going to dedicate a half hour to to this match yes they can dedicate a, a full half hour to this match and still hit marks on everything else it'd be tough but they can do it especially with the limited commercial stuff 
Um, I, but I think they're going to get out of actually doing a, a finish in this match. And maybe that comes through with the, the injury or whatever it is. But I, I think they get out of doing actual finish. And you can't headline uh, this show with a, a fuck finish, something like that. So I don't think this headlines. I think you bring up a fair Hot point, but I, I cannot see them doing a time limit draw because WWE just doesn't do that, and it's never been established. This is NXT. Like. It's never been established in NXT canon in any way that they do time limits. Yeah, I'm with you again. This is this is my super hot take, bold prediction. Well, I'll tell you here. what: if you're right, you get to take a giant victory lap, brother, because I just I can't see it happening. Uh, real, real, All real right, quick, uh, circling back to the ROH stuff, uh, Cubs fan at the Lucha Blog has confirmed that Roosh uh, and uh, Labisia del Ring have left CMLL and are now independent wrestlers, and Roosh is still signed with ROH. So uh, yeah, well there you so, go. Interesting times there for CMLL and. So that will wrap us up for tonight, Jeremy. Um, we will be back. Jeremy and I will be recording Thursday morning, breaking down week one of the Wednesday Night War, giving you full reviews of AEW Dynamite and NXT on USA, uh, what we thought were the best and the worst of the shows, what we thought was the better show, all that good stuff. And we'll probably talk some uh, WWE Hell in a Cell preview stuff. If they announce any more matches, because there's only three matches announced because they're focused on the Fox debut. Yeah, really, I feel like we're going to be talking about, you know, the Wednesday Night War shows and Raw and maybe previewing SmackDown because I don't know if we're getting shit for Hell in a Cell to yeah, preview. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out Thursday morning, but uh, we will definitely be back and that'll be posted as soon as possible Thursday morning because I have to review AEW Live and then sometime during the late night I will review NXT and then we will record. So it'll be a good time. Uh, thank you as always, Jeremy. Yep. Have a good day tomorrow. I know you have an early day. So, as always, you're listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five star review on iTunes. Have a good week, everybody. We appreciate you for listening.